Julia Bueno, in her book titled The Brink of Being, talking about miscarriage, said that even though one in four pregnancies ends in miscarriage, women often don't expect it to happen and are not prepared for what it may involve, neither the physical and possible medical endurance nor the roller coaster of competing and complex feelings that the grief for a lost pregnancy can involve. The sadness, guilt, self-blame, the sense of failure and worthlessness, anger, and uncomfortable envy can surprise or even shock the bereaved, who bear all this with no, no sure sense of how or how long to grieve, nor confidence to talk about an experience that has been relentlessly silenced. Now, also in our episode on miscarriage and stillbirth with Matt and Haley Phillips, Matt reflected that they appreciated most when people just did. Because people would say, well, let us know if you need anything. And I had no idea what I needed right now because I couldn't even process what I was feeling. With these things in mind, why is it that our employers in our community often do not find pregnancy loss something that they need to have as part of their bereavement leave? According to the Society for Human Resources Management, or SHRM, quoted in the Harvard Business Review, 88% of employers provide paid bereavement leave, anywhere from three to five days. However, according to a recent article in Bloomberg, only about 25% of those offer paid leave for pregnancy loss. Now that is what brings us to our conversation today. Our guest has been fighting and winning this battle in our local area with the support of her network for the last several years. She happens to be a marketing superstar, a 40 under 40 winner, and an old colleague of mine. <laughs> Welcome to Facing Tomorrow, Allison Gates. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to have this conversation today. Fantastic. <laughs> so Allison, uh, can you give us the date that is frozen in time for you? Absolutely. October 2019 was when I experienced my miscarriage. It was after a long battle with infertility. Um, and so we had felt like we finally crossed that threshold only to be crushed about nine weeks into our process. So very devastating and um, hard to swallow. And everything you mentioned, the guilt, the emotions, the um, you know, blaming yourself, blaming your body, that all came in like a tidal wave. So very, very accurate description of how that moment comes across. And in, in that moment, uh, were you able to even process what you were feeling, let alone what your next steps would be? No. In fact, I remember we found out at an ultrasound. Um, and so we thought routine checkup. We're excited. We were, um, we had just told my parents, my in-laws and, um, they said, well, you know, we might just be a little too early. So come back next week. We won't go, don't get worried yet. And that's impossible words to tell uh, a parent, especially. Um, and we went back the next week and, you know, the, the physician that was treating us was quick to say, well, I, this is disappointing, but here's the next step. And, and this is a good sign. You got pregnant. You got pregnant. It's a great sign. And I was just tornado, you know, in my head of what, what just happened. You just ripped the whole future I'd envisioned with this baby out of my hands. And um, so it was very turbulent and it was hard to 
process and it definitely took a long time of grieving and therapy and you know just a a lot of um, ways to work through it because it is so much in one instant your your whole vision is changed Um, and especially after going through a battle with infertility it was just devastating to us and I didn't understand why this thing that I'd wanted for so long, my entire life, I'd wanted to be a parent. And I felt like I'd done everything textbook. I'd invested in my career and I'd, you know, done all these cool things and I'd traveled and I waited to find the right partner and, you know, got married and did, the timeline was exactly as I'd planned. So why wasn't it working? And why, when it worked, did it get stolen from me? Um, And so there was just a lot of chaos in that moment for sure. So in in that moment, were there any uh, helpful bits of advice that you were given by anyone in your your close network? You mentioned you talked to your parents. Uh, Obviously, I I think that a lot of our listeners will share that feeling that you had in talking with the individual in your ultrasound Mm -hmm. of, of the things that you don't want to hear in those moments, but were there any bits of advice that you you did receive that yes. allowed you to feel some level of comfort? I think that the most important thing for me was uh, I'm an extrovert, I'm an open book, so it was very natural for me to share. Um, that's not everyone's case, and I understand that, respect that, but the people that then shared back with me to make me realize it wasn't uncommon, it is one in four, um, you know, I had of my very closest best friends, none of them had experienced this. There's five of us. So the odds were stacked against me when you look at the one in four. Um, and I got a lot of, I can't imagine, I can't, you know, and, and that was almost worse. Yeah, I don't want you to imagine. I don't want this switched on anyone. But the people that reached out to me and said, been there, done that, it's really hard. However, look, I have two kids in high school today. Um, You know, we went through that too. It was our first round with IVF. It was really challenging. But now my kids are 8 and 10. I mean, that to me was a sign of hope that there will be a tomorrow and we will keep on fighting this and, and battling for our miracle baby. And I needed to know it was possible to overcome. That was the stories I needed to hear. Um, I also think the reference you had earlier to the previous guest that said we just need people to, to do, that hit home with me greatly because you don't know what you need. You don't, you kind of don't really want to talk to people, but yet I remember we told my dad and the next thing I knew, my dad was at our house. And I kind of was like, I don't need to talk to you, but I did. I needed just to have him come up and say, it's going to be okay. Now, let me tell you about all the other things that happened today, distractions. I needed that in that moment. Um, And so I think those were really the most impactful things were the people that just took action and then the people that shared their own journey and how they got through it, how they they got to the outcome I was wanting so desperately in that moment. Those times where you are sitting in that ultrasound room and just waiting and hoping and wishing, uh, that is certainly, as you said, not an experience that you want anyone to to have. Mm -hmm. Uh, So just having someone be able to say, I'll be right there mm-hmm. to sit with you, to be with you, to be a part of that experience without trying to fix it. Right. It's such a, a beautiful thing and so thankful for your dad to be able to do that for you. Uh, so was there a moment in in the first few months 
after your loss where the clouds started to lift a little bit and you started to uh, recognize where you were, recognize where you were in, in your, your grief journey, what were those moments like? And, uh, and who did you surround yourself with at that moment? I think that I found a lot of comfort in those people that had told me their own journeys. Beautiful. I needed to know, I needed to be constantly reminded yeah. because the minute you start to feel like it's only happening to me, it hasn't happened to these other people in my friend group or my family or whatever it may be, um, you start to really beat yourself up and feel that grief. So I really was lucky. I was only two months into my new position. So I didn't have these long, overarching relationships with my coworkers yet, but this really cemented a bond um, in a way that I couldn't have ever predicted. Um, it was a grief that brought us together, and so having them to constantly, you know, check up on me, tell me their stories, remind me of their journey. I had one colleague that reached out to me that said, um, you know, when you're in the thick of this, it feels like you know the exact countdown to the second it happened, right? And, some, and you're always going to remember it. It's always going to impact you. But eventually, it will be a moment in time. It will be a chapter of your life that was very significant, but it's not going to feel like your entire life, like it feels like right now. And in the moment, I didn't really believe her. But even four years out from it, three and a half years out from it, I can see that that definitely is the light at the end of the tunnel that I needed to be reaching for. Um, I would say my grief was... It really was a roller coaster. Um, my body did not recognize I was having a miscarriage, so I still felt pregnant um, until I had to go and eventually have a procedure to prevent infection. Um, and so then coming out of the pr- procedure and then all of a sudden, I mean, you instantly don't feel pregnant. You don't have morning sickness. You don't have, um, you know, soreness or anything of that nature. Then that also was very alarming. Um, and so these waves of, okay, I'm not having this baby, but I'm still throwing up in the morning. And then all of a sudden, I'm not throwing up anymore. I mean, it was all just very tumultuous. Um, And I will say even I ended up, so I miscarried in October. I ended up getting pregnant with my son in December. So it was not a long journey. It was, this was two years in the making. And throughout my son's pregnancy, I still had grief. I cried the day that my baby was due. Um, really grieved that due date. And even as my son was, you know, his due date was approaching, I thought about all the things that would have been. And there's a lot of guilt that comes with that too of, you know, well, if that baby would have been, I wouldn't have my son today. His soul would not have existed. Um, But how do I respect and grieve that initial pregnancy? And so it, it still to this day is a lot to take in and a lot to think about. Um, one of my best friends actually was pregnant with her third child, and our due dates with my initial pregnancy were about four days apart. So her daughter, I ended up being her godmother, and I, I look at Gianna, and I just think, like, that would have been my little baby, you know, same age and milestones and progress. But then I look at my son, and I realize this was what was meant to be for us. In that moment, you can't see that. Um, but it's a journey. It takes a long time. And um, I luckily was already in therapy to manage stress to try to get pregnant. (laughs) Um, And that was the biggest blessing of all, to have that partner 
to help guide me through it and help me realize like, hey, it's okay to be angry. Some days you're going to be angry. Um, You're going to be mad at God. You're going to be disappointed. You're going to be devastated. And then one day you're going to wake up and you're going to feel okay. And that's okay too. You don't have to feel guilty that you felt okay. Um, And so there was a lot of progress, a lot of work that was put in. But I think about that baby still to this day, and I will for the rest of my life. Right there with you. I appreciate that. At this time as well, you you mentioned you you know you've started a a very successful career. You are just starting in a new job, but there there is a another aspect to this this lost opportunity with this child where you also have a workplace, a workplace that is looking at you, a workplace that is waiting for you to come back to to work. What were those emotions like for you and and um and I'll get to a, an article here in a moment with some specific news that really started your your journey here. But what did what did those emotions feel like when you knew, gosh, this workplace, it's calling me back. Yeah. What do I do with that emotion? Well, I knew first and foremost that I wanted to be honest um, because I was not operating at 100%. And I was so new, I hadn't earned the trust yet to let them feel confident that, oh, she's just having a bad moment or life is interrupted. I needed them to know what was going on with me so that if I broke out into tears in the middle of a meeting, it wasn't like, who is this crazy person we just hired? Um, And so I was honest with my boss immediately, um, who is a single male, has no children, and I thought, this is going to go one of two ways. And he was actually probably the most empathetic leader I could have asked for in that moment, Um, has led a lot of women in his life or in his career, and so just kind of had been through it before um, and was very sympathetic and and offered me shoulder to cry on and, um, you know, any help I could need. The female colleagues that had been through it were my rocks and um, really who I leaned upon. They were like, you're so new. We get it but we hired you for a reason. We trust you. We're going to lift you up in this moment. Um, And then I opened up to my team, the team that reports to me, because I knew that if one of them was going through this, I'd want to know so I could support them. And without me offering that truth and that honesty, um, how will that gap ever be bridged? And so I really, they were shocked a little bit that I was that forthcoming with them. But I just really wanted them to know what I was going through and why I was going to be out for a little bit and that if something in their life monumental were to happen to them, I would want them to feel comfortable enough to share it with me. So it was sort of that leading by example opportunity. And opening yourself up, being very vulnerable in that Mm -hmm. space, but allowing them to, again, sit with you and be with you while you are just simply sharing who you are. it, it's very interesting to me that you you mentioned that conversation with your new supervisor uh, and just having that very strange feeling of it can go one of two ways. <laughs> I felt that very similar conversation as well when, when I had to make my phone call as a, as a dad, experiencing a miscarriage with my wife, having to make that call to my boss, who I, I had no idea how he was going to react, mm-hmm. but I could barely get any words out uh, other than I just, I can't, I can't come to work. 
This is not going to work. So I greatly appreciate the fact that you could be so open and so honest. Uh, I'm really curious, where do you think that comes from? Because <laughs> I don't think every, I don't think everyone can yeah. can get that and, and can can be that vulnerable in that space. Where does that come from for you? I, I think it comes from a couple places. First of all, probably just my personality that's led to my career. I'm a storyteller by nature. That's what I do for a living. I want to, you know, tell you a story speak truthfully, be authentic. Um, But I also have found in my career especially that the best relationships have come from authentic moments of vulnerability a lot of times. Um, And whether that's sharing, I'm going through something really hard, or I want to celebrate a huge success of yours as my colleague, that to me has always been what has made the relationship deepen faster and has gotten me to a better place of collaboration because of that. Um, and so, you know, I'm kind of, I'm just an open book in nature. I share a lot in general. Uh, my friends joke about that, that I, they always know where I am on Facebook. <laughs> um, but I think that from a professional standpoint, it's really helped me to move the needle on my own journey as becoming a leader in that it it builds trust faster. And trust is a huge aspect of collaboration. And if you don't have it, you feel it every day. Um, And it really can slow creativity down. It can slow production down. It can slow everything. Um, And so that's just one of my methods of I'm just going to be totally transparent and honest and myself. Speaking of authentic leadership, I do want to get to Uh, An article that you've referenced as kind of a catalyst for some of the advocacy work that you are doing, and it is from someone who I think we all can agree is is truly an authentic leader in our community. Uh, If you have not had a chance to meet Beth Shelton before, I would encourage you to to look her up, uh, Girl Scouts of Iowa. She is doing just absolutely incredible work. But the article that we want to reference here is actually from 2019. The article is titled Our Rally Cry, Game-Changing Career Support in Diapers. Uh, So she, she made clear, Beth made clear in that article, a desire to normalize a reality where having children advancing your career are not mutually exclusive. And she started uh, the Infants at Work program with Girl Scouts of Iowa, which I think is just so cool. Uh, However, in the article, she also shares that she began implementing a five-day employee paid bereavement leave for miscarriages. Uh, First, talk with us about uh, the first time that you you saw that article and, and you started reading through those words, but also what... Beth's mentorship has meant to you as well in this journey. Absolutely. I long have been an admirer of Beth, uh, potentially a super fan, I would call myself. Um, And I remember when she introduced this program and it got national news. And as a PR person at a nonprofit, I was like, how did she do that? Um, And so I was really fascinated in the story and the angle and how groundbreaking it was and her vision. and so I just kind of started following along and, and staying up to date with the things she was doing, what she was saying, and how she was kind of pivoting the business community here in Des Moines. Um, and when I had my miscarriage in October, that's Pregnancy and Infant Loss Awareness Month. I had no idea prior to this. 
Um, but Beth reposted that and shared about their bereavement leave. And I felt like I'd been hit by a train. I had been at leadership level roles before. I'd been involved in benefits and employee policies. I had never heard of this. And it makes total sense. It's a no-brainer. And I just was aghast at that I had never even thought about it until I was in the thick of it myself. And I remember reaching out to her and thanking her and just being totally bewildered that I hadn't ever come across this before. Um, And after that, I thought for a long time, do I send this to my HR team? I mean, I'm brand new. Surely they've heard of it. I mean, I, I haven't heard of it. I'm not in HR. But I've been at the leadership table. I've been in these discussions. I've fought for parental leave. I've, you know, done these things. And I'm just going to take a chance that maybe with all the things coming at them, maybe they haven't heard of it either. And they hadn't. And it was sort of shocking and also a little reassuring for me that I wasn't totally in the dark on this. Um, and they took action right away. And that's kind of what motivated me to then advocate louder and louder and louder and rally the troops and tell people to go and fight for this because it is such an easy administrative change. We literally added two words to our policy. Um, what was overwhelming to me was when they introduced it at our company, they included the partner. So if you work there, but your spouse has the miscarriage, you also get the leave. And I thought back to how I would not have made it through that period without my husband. He was the steady hand on my back. He was the person that made sure I ate dinner. He was the person that made sure I had Kleenexes. Um, But he also laid and cried with me. He needed to mourn that too. And I found that so thoughtful. And as a new employee, that spoke volumes to me of the company I had just joined and reassured me in my journey of professionalism that I was at the right place and wanted to arm other people in the community with the power to go and speak this to their employers and move the needle as well. How have those conversations gone? Have you had any negative moments and how did you react to that as well? I have not had a single negative conversation. It has been immensely powerful of people I've never met reaching out to me. Um, You know, I initially posted about it on LinkedIn. Um, The business record then followed up with me and wanted to do a story. Um, From there, it was exponential effect. Um, I had people from not even just Des Moines across the country reach out to me. Um, eventually a Wall Street Journal reporter reached out to me, which really showed me this is not common. Um, if it was common, they wouldn't have picked up on it. They wouldn't have noticed it. Um, once that reporter wrote her story, she shared with me the flood of comments she had coming out of people asking about it. Um, but big, big employers in town uh, changed their policy within a year to reflect this. And most of the feedback we received was, why didn't we think of this sooner? And I think a big part of that is we don't necessarily talk about miscarriage. Um, it is a very personal, very, very just depressing journey. And there's a lot of steps that come with it. So when you are ready to share, 
you may be ready to move on, to be honest, and to just try to get back to your normal. And because of that, it just wasn't something that was populating in the business community. And now I feel like we have absolutely moved the needle on that. Um, and, And I couldn't be more proud. To me, that baby's soul had a purpose. And it was more than just making me a mom. It was, let's make the world better. And let's let's help employers wrap their arms around their people when they go through this. Um, and I will forever be grateful to that baby and that journey to help to have made a difference for others that are going through it as well. Oh, that is so beautiful. And, and you have definitely moved the needle. Uh, for those of you that are, are unaware, I encourage you to check out a a bill that was introduced in July of 2021 by Senator Tammy Duckworth and Representative Ayanna Presley. The bill is called Support Through Loss Act. And uh, the bill, if, if we can pass it, so I, again, if you're looking for a call to action, here's a good one. Uh, the bill, if, if passed, would require U.S. employers with five or more employees to provide at least three days of paid leave for employees who have experienced a pregnancy loss, as well as partners of those who have experienced loss. So if you're wondering, Allison, have we been able to move the needle? That's that's pretty major yeah. steps in, really in the right powerful. direction. When we look at that information from Bloomberg in, in only 25% still, include this two-word mm-hmm. statement uh, within their bereavement policy. It just, uh, yeah, there can be more. So I would definitely encourage those of you, we'll, we'll put this on our associated blog post on facingtomorrow.org. Feel free to check that out as well. Uh, but what I, what I love about the fact that it, it was such a catalyst is also about a year ago, you really hammered that point home on a LinkedIn post uh, where, where you mentioned, uh, still to this day, when discussing paid leave, the most common excuse I hear from other advocates' employers is, well, we aren't those big organizations, you name an organization, feel free to check out Allison on LinkedIn. Uh, we don't have enough staff to back up every role. We can't afford it like they can. And yet, people still have babies. Someone steps in to do the work. Rarely is anything outsourced. But the employee is left juggling finances with what their short-term disability, if even that, Mm -hmm. won't cover while simultaneously trying to recover from this major health and life event. The excuses are getting old. (laughs) If you want to do this for your team members, you will, period. So that that place that you were coming from, I hope, is something that that people can, can be driven to action. Uh, on. So you had mentioned that these national organizations are reaching out to you. We are now three years removed from from that initial uh, that initial grief journey beginning for you. Mm-hmm. Where are you at now in your advocacy work? Mm-hmm. And what do you want people to know about that work that you are uh, attempting to accomplish? I think the work never ends until... This is everywhere, and it's a common thing, and paid leave is a common thing. I think that um, my journey is not done. And when I've advocated um, for better leave with my own employer, I've told them, I'm, I'm, my family's complete. We are done having children. We, we have our family. We're good. This isn't going to benefit me. But you have to realize 
the message it sends to all employees that you care about us in that way. And that's another, you know, feedback I've gotten at different points in my career of, well, we only have about four babies a year. We It doesn't really, if we want to have something that helps everyone. And it, when we were at our previous employer and paid leave was introduced for the first time, even though it was a short bit, it was better than nothing, the women and men that came up to me were grandparents. They weren't parents. They weren't trying to get pregnant. They weren't on this journey, but they knew how hard it was when they were in it and they wanted better for the future. And I think that those are the people with the strongest voice because leaders can't write it off as, well, you just want this for yourself. You just want this because you're going to try to be a parent soon. It's no, I'm done and I want it for my colleagues because I didn't have it. And it's something that I get really fired up about. Um, I'm super passionate and that won't end until it is universal. Um, I also, you know, and I fight for all parents. It's not just birthing mothers. It's all parents. I think when you are adopting a child, there's obviously an integration period that the parents need to be home and be present and transition that mental juggle of there's a human I'm keeping alive now. Um, You know, I met with another female leader in town who told me that her employer had nothing set up for surrogacy. And due to medical issues, she was having to use a surrogate for her second child. And she didn't get any leave because of that. Um, she not only did she not get leave, she had to pay for the surrogate's leave from work. Um, and it's just, it's mind blowing because families come in all shapes and forms. And this was a top producing employee. And I just was blown away that they hadn't evolved to think of that yet. Um, And so it's something that I have told, you know, the company I work for has made really strong progress. We're not to where I would sleep well at night yet. We've got a little bit ways to go. And I've shared with my CEO and director of HR, I'm going to be the squeaky wheel. And it's not going to stop squeaking. And so I just want you to know that if there's an all-company meeting and we get to ask questions or leadership is looking for... I will be raising that hand and I will be saying, what's next? What are we going to do next? Um, And part of that is because they responded so quickly to the bereavement leave. They acted so fast. They knew it was the right thing to do. So they implemented it within, within three months. And so then they kind of showed me, okay, I can speak up and I can get stuff done. So I'm going to keep doing that. Um, And I think it's about arming other People in the community, whether it's parents, whether it's advocates, whether it's people who want to be parents, with the data, with research that shows why this is productive, why it's important. And um, it's so funny. I saw a post on LinkedIn not very long ago that said, I'm not currently looking for a job, but I'm going to call places and ask for the salary and tell them it's too low anyway. I'm just doing the Lord's work for you. And I commented and said, I'm going to do the same thing, but it's on maternity leave. It's on parental leave. Um, If you don't got parental leave, then I'm going to say, oh, I'm going to pass it up, even though I'm not looking for a job. But I think any way that we can help move that needle, we've, we've 
got to use our voices. And hey, it's hard. We're all just trying to get our jobs done, keep our families fed. You know, we've got a lot of things going on in the world that can be exhausting, but this is a fight that is not worth giving up on yet. Hopefully a much stronger community for for your rainbow baby. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am. I would love for you to, to talk to two different audiences that may be listening and just giving giving some advice here. The first one that I would love love for you to talk to is that employer who is saying, "Gosh, I really don't. I don't know if I can if I can pull this off. I don't know if I can make this work." How would you respond, and what would you say to them? I have worked for a company that was 22 employees, and they did 100% paid leave mothers, fathers, adopting parents for 12 weeks. If they can do it, anyone can do it. If they can manage it, anyone can manage it. What is going to come from that is a unparalleled loyalty that that employee is going to return to work with. Now, Are you going to have someone come back their first day and say, I'm going to stay home? Yeah, maybe. That's going to happen every once in a while. Childcare costs, there's a lot of things that are making people stay home right now. The odds are not in favor of that. The chances are they're going to come back, they're going to feel even more loyal because when they had these precious moments with their child, they didn't have to worry about oh my gosh, I'm only getting 50% of my paycheck this week. How are we going to manage paying for formula or the stroller we need or the car seat or getting ready for daycare and that astronomical cost? They didn't have to worry about that because they were getting full pay while they got to completely detach and just relish in those initial milestones with their babies. And I remember reaching out to my employer. I took 12 weeks off. Um... And around week seven, I emailed them and said, you know, my baby smiled for the first time. And I thought, most women have gone back to work by now. And how awful is that? Why do we do that? They would have missed that. And that was a monumental moment for me given my journey. And it meant so much to me. I got to see all these milestones and all these things that were happening with him. And I came back ready to, you know, charge the fences on doing great work for them. I was so appreciative um, for everything they had done for me, for introducing the bereavement leave and, um, you know, working on the paid leave. And what I told them was, I would hope no one has to use bereavement leave, but the odds are not in our favor. It will happen. And the fact that they can say in that moment, I got to take this time off and not have to worry about it, not have to think about, oh my gosh, well, what's my bank look like of PTO? And if I'm saving up anyway for maternity leave and I'm dipping into that, I mean, there's a lot that goes into the thought process. And if you haven't been on that journey recently or ever, it can be hard to put yourself in those shoes. And so I think, you know, the more we speak about it and the more honest and transparent we are about it, the more progress we'll make because it is very hard for anyone to deny that conversation. The The other audience that I would like you to speak to is that mom or that dad, as we have both experienced, mm-hmm. sitting in that dark room, uh, just praying and hoping 
that that machine would make some noise mm -hmm. and it doesn't. Speak to those families who are beginning their loss journey. What would you like to say to them? Oh, <laughs> I would say you have to feel all the feelings. You have to give yourself that grace. You don't have to be strong for anyone today. You don't have to have an answer for anyone today. You don't have to know what next steps are today. Just let yourself feel those feelings. Cry. Yell. Throw things. Go on a walk. Take some breaths. Um, just feel it all because you will. And if you deny it to yourself, the journey is that much harder. But also think about that soul and what came from that. And one of the things that I remember telling my family was I didn't think my husband and I needed to get closer. I thought we were very close and very in sync. This put us on a whole new level of partnership and respect and love and tenderness. Um, that was beautiful. And now, do I wish I would have never experienced this? Yeah, that would have been great. But it served a much bigger purpose than I could have ever imagined. And for me, I got to the ending I wanted eventually, and hopefully most others will too. Um, you know, one thing that my therapist said to me early on was, are you willing to be a parent in any way or fashion? And I said, yep. I don't care. I, you know, obviously I have my preference on how I'd like this to all go about, but I will be a mom no matter what someday. And there was a lot of peace that came with that of, okay, this is a step on the road, but it's not the end of our journey. And I think that there is a lot of comfort that can come from that acknowledgement of we're going to get there. It's today is not our day, but we will get there. Give yourself that grace. Give yourself that grace. Allison, if people want to join in the advocacy efforts, what would you recommend to them? Could they reach out to you? What, what could they do to continue that passionate uh, pursuit as you are continuing? Absolutely. I meet with people all the time on this. It was sort of an unexpected bonus of starting to speak out of women of other companies saying, hey, how do I, how did you go about this? What was the language you guys used? Um, I am happy to speak about this to anyone at any time. Um, I think the best thing to do from an advocacy standpoint is start within, start within your own house, your own employer, um, find your allies if you need them, and don't be afraid to speak up. And especially for men, um, you know, I think that they can have a very strong voice in a lot of leadership roles um, where it's just, it's just the nature of our market, right? There's a lot of male leaders. And if they're hearing from other men that this is critical, again, it, it can be discounted as, oh, you just want it for yourself. Um, and so I think it can be very powerful for people that necessarily wouldn't – and it's, it's hard to believe we're talking about this, right? Who benefits from – I mean – 
you're giving people time off to grieve. Like, it's not a benefit necessarily. It's a hard word to attach to this. But when you're looking at it from a dollars and cents standpoint, that can be how it's perceived a lot. And so I think the people who, from a viewpoint, have the least to gain, speaking the loudest, can really help move the needle. Um, And that one of the women that reached out to me on LinkedIn, she had gone to her employer, her husband had gone to his, and they'd both gotten it implemented. And I thought, what great teamwork. I mean, divide and conquer, you've moved two huge employers in the Des Moines market forward because of that. Um, And so, you know, speak to your friends, build their confidence, give them the info to go and talk about. Honestly, I have not heard anyone get completely shut down um, or say, how dare you (laughs) come and tell us this. Um, And so I think that it just takes speaking up. It just takes speaking volumes. And as far as, you know, advocating with the government level, absolutely call your representatives. Tell them this is on the table. Tell them that, tell them your story or a friend's story if they're willing to share. Um, What I found is don't take no for an answer. Don't give up. Because even if it's not today, it could be tomorrow. And so just setting that tone is really important. But I'm happy to speak to anyone that wants to talk about it anytime. (laughs) I'm very active on LinkedIn and happy to have those conversations. Allison Kate, C-A-T-E, if you're looking on LinkedIn. (laughs) Uh, Allison, this has been such a fantastic conversation. Uh, Obviously, a long time coming. I'm really glad that you were willing to come on with me. I agree with you wholeheartedly. Advocate away. You've got a bill on the table. Go chase that down. But like you said, start start in your own home. Start mm-hmm. in your own yard. Start in your own, own employer. Don't take no for an answer. Absolutely. I'm right there with you. Allison, Kate, thank you so much for joining us today. We wish you all the best. Continue on your journey. And uh, we are always here to support you. Thank, thank you. you so much. <laughs>